So grab your Bibles and turn with me, please, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And together, we, with our Bibles open, want to begin as we have begun throughout this entire series by declaring our readiness to receive the Word of God. Let's declare together. This is God's Word, His heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word, so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. We want to specifically excel still more In this verse, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. We want to excel in not quenching the spirit. And we want to give this four weeks, because we're taking four weeks on those five words, because, and I hope you captured this last week, if you weren't here, here's the premise of why we are giving so much attention to not quenching the spirit. Because the spirit is to our living for God as Jesus is to our coming to God. Now, now let me explain. The Bible is very clear that you cannot obtain relationship with God but through Jesus Christ. You cannot work your way. You cannot be good enough. You cannot stop doing enough bad things. You cannot start doing enough good things. The only way you can come to God through Jesus. In the same way, the only way you can live for God is by the fact that God has placed himself in you so that his life in you could be lived through you. See, we say the spirit is to our living for God as Jesus is to our coming to God because the Holy Spirit is God himself living in the believer so that his work will be done and his character revealed. So a guy says to me Friday night, I wasn't there. I don't want to hear the sermon. I don't want to hear three points. Just tell me what it means to not quench the spirit. And simply said, to not quench the spirit is to not take the spirit of God, God himself in you, and handcuff him from doing his work and from revealing his character through you. Because whenever that happens, when his work is not accomplished through you and he lives in you, you're quenching the spirit. When when his character is not revealed through you, but he lives in you, you're quenching the spirit. And we don't want to quench the spirit. So I want us to begin, before we look again now, at a very specific spirit-filled tongue. I want us to pray as we ended in prayer last week. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And very specifically, I want you to think, even as we declare the prayer and song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. A spirit-filled tongue. Flood this place. Let this be overcome by your presence. Right? Would you declare this in prayer song together? Flood this 
this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. Respond to the Lord. Let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness help us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness help us become more aware of your presence help us experience the glory of your goodness your presence lord declare this in your heart Father, our prayer is that very specifically we would be more aware of your presence in our speaking, that we would be overcome by you in our speaking, that you would open our eyes, that we might live with spirit-filled tongues to the praise of your glory that we long for in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So why start with the tongue? We're starting with the tongue because Jesus says this, you brood of vipers, now he wasn't talking to you, but he was talking to some religious people who were not followers of God, just religious. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which, say it with me, fills the heart. So what comes out of, just, just think about it biologically, if you would. What, what overflows from the heart spills out of the mouth. So we are beginning with the tongue in this series of unleashing the power of the Spirit because, according to Jesus, the tongue is the primary, not the only, but the primary indicator of what amount of control the Holy Spirit has in your life. Because when he has control in your life, then out of the overflow of a spirit-filled heart, the tongue speaks. But when he doesn't have control of your life, out of the overflow of a fleshly heart, the tongue speaks. It's the primary indicator. And quite frankly, we don't, often really have to wonder what's in our heart. We just have to listen to 
what overflows. And most importantly, not at prepared moments. It's the unprepared moments where the filter didn't have enough time to, ah! It's in those unprepared moments that who we really are is revealed. And how much control, because remember, being filled with the Spirit, the opposite of quenching the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit is not getting more of Him. We have, when we have trusted in Jesus, we have all of Him. Being filled with the Spirit is Him having more of us. The indicator of how much comes out the mouth. Now, you may think, ah, that's a bit of an exaggeration. So listen to the brother of Jesus. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he, in what he says, he is a perfect man. Comes down to the tongue. Able to bridle the whole body as well. So he says in verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, just like we have been. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. It's like our Sundays wrapped up. We come in here, we worship the Lord, we go home, turn on the TV and football season, and we curse men. How's that come out of the same heart? He says, from the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing and watch. My brethren. So who's he speaking to? He's talking to believers. Believers, these things ought not to be this way. It shouldn't be this way because if we're in Christ, we are a new creature. Old things, the old stuff that used to come out of us, shouldn't come out of us anymore because, and not because we've got better filters, but because we have been given New hearts. See, I cannot overemphasize what Jesus was saying to us. The tongue speaks out of that which fills the heart. And James says, it shouldn't be this way because I have filled your heart. How can I have filled your heart and that you still speak in such ugly ways? So let's get more specific and turn from 1 Thess 5 to Ephesians 4 where we see in Ephesians 4 and Ephesians 5, the Holy Spirit specifically addressed in the life of the believer. All right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So he says, do not grieve here. First Thess 5, he says, do not quench the Spirit. What's the difference between grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit? Nothing. Uh, It's the same issue. The Spirit of God has filled my heart in order to what? His work to be done and his character revealed. And when that is not happening, then I am quenching, I'm smothering, I'm grieving because He dwells in me for that purpose, and it's not taking place. So you can equate grieving the Spirit, quenching the Spirit, resisting the Spirit. You can equate them. All opposite of being filled with the Spirit. So he says, Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Spirit. Guess what he addresses right away then? Next verse. 
Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. What's the address? What comes out of the mouth? Don't grieve the spirit. And then he speaks to that which comes out of the mouth. And these things, if Christ dwells within us, these things should be done. What, what should be done with them? It says, put them away. You got stuff laying around your house that you need to put away? You got words hanging around in your life? You need to put them away. You're done with them. It's not like kids' stuff that we put up in the attic thinking, ah, oh, we'll get them down when we have grandkids. And then we got them down and 200-degree attics over 12 years was like, nothing left. We need to... Like, put them in the trash bin and set them out by the road and have them taken away. Put them away. Eight specific types of speech that do not belong in the life of the believer or in the life of the body of Christ. Let me give them to you. A spirit-filled tongue puts away words that destroy. And those words that destroy that the New Testament identifies is this. Number one, lies. Lies destroy and they quench the spirit because God is not a liar and when God lives in you and you lie, that quenches his life through you. Gossip destroys and therefore it quenches the spirit. It destroys relationships and we're intended to build up. Slander Slander, by very definition, is words intended to destroy. They quench the spirit. Bitter words. Where do bitter words flow from? <laughs> they flow from, as all words, they flow from the heart. Bitter words are a reflection of what's in the heart. They have to be put away. Outbursts of anger. Boy, when you blow up, when I blow up, it's like a hand grenade going off and everybody gets hit by the verbal shrapnel around us. Divisive words. You know what he said? You know what she said? They destroy. Unity is precious in the body of Christ. Divisive words have no place in the body of Christ. Profanity destroys holiness, purity. And bragging, that puffing up of ourselves. And the scripture clearly says, if any man boasts, let him boast in the Lord. So, this is not new to any of you, right? The vast majority of you, you already know, those eight types of speech should not be part of the life of a believer. Do you understand? They should not be part of a life of a believer because they are not who God is and God is dwelling in you. And what comes out of your mouth is the overflow of the heart. So these should be put away. But this is not weed whacking. Where do words come? From the heart. So let me encourage you. As you... As you look up here and you see yourself in a mirror here, you see, because every one of you knows, and, and if you're married, your spouse knows what comes out of you in fleshly moments. Maybe not all of these, uh, but you might be prone to lie 
in a hard moment. Or you might be prone to an outburst of anger and everybody kind of runs for cover or knows that mom's going to blow or dad's going to blow. Or in a bad moment, that, the string of profanities that come out of your mouth that go, whew, I didn't know that was in there. See, what comes out of you? Don't only go, I just need to stop it. I need to get a better filter. What do we need? We need heart surgery, folks. It's the overflow of that which fills the heart. And so ask yourself, is my, what's, what's that anger rooted in? What is gossip rooted in? What's the heart issue? Is it that I have to be loved by everybody that causes me to gossip so that I put everybody else down so that I can be lifted up? Is it an, an idol of my heart of comfort and ease that when people get in my way, then I become that explosive hand grenade and I make everybody pay for making me miserable? I mean, this is all theoretical, right? Now, th this is the way life unfolds. Our hearts get revealed by what comes out of our mouth. And we, can, we, could, we could say, hey, the goal is here to clean up our speech. That is not the goal, folks. The goal is for us to recognize we have been transformed. We're new creatures. God himself dwells within us. And therefore, if he fills our heart, then that which ought to come out is truth and love and kindness and help and grace, right? So this week, one of those come out of your mouth, confess it to the Lord, and then, and then ask the harder question, Lord, where's that coming from in my heart? And if you're not sure, you probably already know, but if you're not sure, ask the Lord, reveal to me. Where's this coming from in my heart? And repent of the heart issue that is revealed in words that destroy. This is what follows verse 30. Don't grieve the spirit. Look back in Ephesians 4, and you'll see what precedes don't grieve the spirit. It's words again. He says, before not, don't grieve the spirit, he says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And then in verse 31, he unpacked it, right? But now he gives what a spirit-filled tongue does. A spirit-filled tongue uh, speaks only such a word as is good for edification. You know what edification means? That yes, it's a structural word. It's building up. Only speak that which is good for building up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. So a spirit-filled tongue puts away, confesses, repents. It puts away words that destroy, but then it speaks words that build up. And the key... I, I know you, you probably know, I know, words that build up. I should, my mama taught me that. I should say nice things to people. But understand, words that build up are of a specific quality. It said, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace. Words that build up are gracious words. 
and gracious words have these two characteristics. They are true words at the right time. That's all from 429. These are not just my thoughts. 429 says these three principles. Spirit-filled tongue speaks words that build up. Words that build up give grace to those who hear it. And those who give grace, words that give grace, are words, true words, spoken at the right moment. You can't build up apart from truth, but truth can be spoken at a moment where it doesn't build up. It just piles on. Do you know what the the book of Proverbs calls these type of words? Gold. These type of words are called gold. Watch. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Like apples, it's this beautiful picture. It's precious. It's gold in settings of silver. Your two, two precious metals are the beauty of true words spoken at the right moment. Why? Because they give grace and gracious words build up. Just think about Think about your home, think about your work, think about the words that come out of your mouth and ask yourself, do they reflect apples of gold and settings of silver? Do they reflect truth at the right time? Next verse says this, like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. I love this because like an earring of gold, a wise reprover, and an ornament of fine gold, a listening ear. You see, to be built up requires not only the person to speak truth in the right moment, it takes a person to receive it, right? It's really why we have, through this whole series of Excel Still More, said every time, and maybe it's becoming religious ritual for you, and please, let's not. The reason we're saying this is God's word, I'm inclining my heart now to receive it, is because God is gold to us. He's a, he's a wise reprover. Uh, and we get to determine whether we have listening ears or not. So the, I try to make it my practice that any time someone says, hey, thanks a lot for what you shared with me, super helpful. And I'm not being silly when I say this. This is rooted right in Proverbs. I'll say back, well, thank you for receiving it. Because not everybody does. To give it, gold. To receive it, fine gold. Because isn't, isn't it easier to give it than it is to receive it? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see my wife back there. She gave me something this week, and I wasn't ready to receive it. And she was like, well. <laughs> It was good. She was gold. I was not fine gold. How about that? It's, it's the beauty of the power of the tongue to be able to give gold to people. 
That's a spirit-filled tongue. A spirit-filled tongue puts away that which destroys that fire that burns down a forest is the analogy that James uses, or that tongue that gives gold to build up. A true word spoken at the right time. Can I show you the opposite? As a ring of gold in a swine's snout. Can you picture that? A pig with a gold nose ring. So, sorry ladies, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Now what in the world is he saying? (laughs) He's saying, you can put jewelry on a pig, but it's still a pig. And the beauty of a woman is revealed not in the mirror, but in the the heart demonstrated by the, the words. I've actually heard my wife say many times if she's seen people do ugly, say ugly things, she was gone, man, that lady was beautiful until she spoke. Seen that? Yeah. Uh, a summary for us, simply this. True beauty doesn't come from more time in front of the mirror, but from more time in the word that shapes the heart from which the mouth speaks. So, ladies, this is, a, this is a proverb directly for you. It's not that guys don't want to be beautiful. I know you want to be handsome, so it applies to us, but it speaks directly to the desire for a woman to be beautiful. And that's a high value in our culture. Nothing wrong with that high value. Just, rep- just remember, the mirror doesn't reveal it. The tongue does because the tongue reveals what's in the heart. So, ladies, you want to be beautiful? This is what will shape the heart that will be revealed by the word. Turn one page, at least in my Bible, one page to Ephesians 5. So far we have seen a spirit-filled tongue puts away words that destroy, but speak words that build up because they're gracious. They're true words at the right time. But now to go to chapter 5, Ephesians 5 verse 18, and it doesn't say grieve the spirit or quench the spirit. It says be filled with the spirit. Again, not more of the spirit given to me, but more of me controlled by the spirit. Guess what he goes to next? Speaking again, it's always, always, before we look at it, it's always the mouth. When the new, I wasn't prepared for this when I began this study, but what I was so struck by was wherever it speaks about filling the spirit, grieving the spirit, quenching the spirit, the spirit coming, it is always connected to the mouth because the mouth reveals what fills the heart. And then it occurred to me in Acts chapter 2 when, at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first came upon the believers, it appeared as what? Do you remember? Tongues of fire. Now, I, I'm not building a theology on that. It's just 
symbolic, I think, of what the theology is represented, that the, that the tongue reveals the level of control the spirit has in the heart. So what's a heart filled with the spirit, full control of the spirit? What comes out of the mouth? Verse 19 and 20, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. It speaks, the spirit-filled tongue speaks truth. It's not, you don't have to quote psalms and hymns. It's, that is how truth was communicated because many people couldn't read the vast amount of people couldn't read, and so you sang, you spoke to one another truth. They memorized it. And I wonder if you connected. First Thess 5:19 that we're talking. Do not quench the spirit. Remember what verse 16 said? Rejoice always, mouth. Verse 17, pray without ceasing, mouth. Verse 18, in everything give. Thanks, for this is the will of God concerning mouth. Don't quench the spirit in everything. Give thanks. Be filled with the spirit, always giving thanks for all things. I cannot say it enough to us, folks. Our reaction to that which comes into our life, that plate that we demonstrated that God serves up, our readiness to say thank you in it and for it. Reflection of the level of control the Spirit of God has in our lives. Because what he's saying is a spirit filled tongue worships. It worships God in what it says. It worships God. It worships God in singing. It worships God in the heart. And it worships God in every circumstance with thanksgiving. The spirit filled tongue worships. But don't miss the fact that there is a one another in the verse, that this is done one another. So it, a spirit-filled tongue not only worship, a spirit-filled tongue worships corporately. There is, there is, yes, the place for you to, in your car, or as you get ready, or in a quiet time in the morning, or in a prayer closet, to worship God privately. But it is not to be intended to be a substitution for worshiping God corporately. Uh, the scripture is very, very clear. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. So Christian Family Chapel... Let's not grieve the spirit by neglecting corporate worship. Let's be filled with the spirit as we gather and we speak to one another and as we sing together. Our corporate worship is a reflection of a heart that is filled with God. And increasingly, it seems that church is something I might do this weekend. Now, I understand we all have opportunity where we travel, we go see family, we have things that keep us away. 
but I'm going to say it to you straight. A Saturday night football game, late, that shouldn't keep us away from church. Not because coming to church makes us more pleasing to God, but because God fills our heart and because he fills our heart and that reflection of filling is in corporate worship, I can watch for a while and then I go, so tell me, who won last night? Penn State? Anybody know? This is, genuine, this is not a test. I'm not going to go, oh, how do you know? I, I just forgot to ask Siri on the way in this morning. Penn State won? Sweet. God loves Penn State. <clears throat> I'm from Pennsylvania, if you don't know. So I, so I, I wanted to step and watch, but I was like, uh, I'll be a groggy, groggy proclaimer tomorrow if I step. So I could go home and watch it, but now I don't need to. We, we, we need... The last thing I want you to hear is legalism, that if you do something, you're more pleasing to God. This is not what I'm saying. I'm saying we act and we speak out of the overflow of our heart. And a heart filled with the Spirit is consistent, frequent, in gathering for corporate worship. And watch what it says. When you gather, there is singing. But I, can I go backward here? Singing and making melody with your heart. Did you ever notice the difference there? Singing and making melody in your heart. Well, what's he saying? Some of us don't make melody with our voice. That's what he's saying. That's what Bill was saying. Some of us sing, but the melody is only in our hearts. It's not coming out. Some of you were here, uh, what, six weeks ago or whatever? You were in north, and I was in south, and we were closing the service. And I forgot to turn my mic off. And I didn't know I didn't turn it off, so as my kids laugh at me when I sing, I genuinely sing pretty loudly. And so I am singing. And over here, you heard me more than you heard Matt. But I had no idea, so I'm just thinking, and not until after the service is over, I'm walking from south over here to north, and as I get closer, people are like pointing at me and laughing, ha, 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 and I'm like, what's up? And they said, you left your mic on, and I think, oh, no, that's terrible, and they went, no, worse than terrible. (laughs) It was, literally, they said, we thought, what's wrong with Matt? Why is he so flat? Oh, it's Doug. He left his mic on. That's terrible. Where do I make melody? In my heart. I sing, but I make melody in my heart. And what's funny is Bill said it. I'm grateful that, that Matt and Dallas sing loudly because when I sing along with them, I I think I sound great. I do. Does that not happen for you all? You're like, it's like when you put your headphones on and you're, look at me, I'm showing, I'm like from the 80s, I put my headphones on. <laughs> and I put my, <laughs> put these in my ear, what are they, pods, uh, in my ear. And then you're singing along and you're like, 
people around you think, you sound terrible, but you think you're like right with them. So let's be clear. When we show up, that pleases the Lord. But then we're here to sing. And if you don't sing with melody, I would far prefer you grieve the ears of the people in front of you than you grieve the God you came to worship. Seriously. Uh, it's the beauty of the front row. All of you melody in your heart people ought to sing in the front row because then you can't destroy anybody else's ears in front of you. That's the beauty of the front row for me. Now, there may be a broken moment where because of what we're declaring, you pause and you're... But if our typical practice is to gather but not sing, I think it quenches the work of the Spirit in our body. And one of the reasons, former elder grabbed me after first hour and probed my heart about this. One of the reasons we're spending four weeks on do not quench the Spirit is I do genuinely believe that the work God wants to do more through Christian family chapel. But part of how we engage quenches him. Too passive, too much observers versus participants. And I, I have come into this room not feeling like worshiping, but as we heard a couple weeks ago from Ryan, we're not controlled by our feelings. We engage in what the scripture says, and you know what the promise is? Our hearts are lifted on the wings of praise. So sometimes it is we come in overflowing with gratitude to God. Our hearts are full, and sometimes our hearts are heavy, and we give worship to God because he is worthy of the worship, and we do not want to quench the spirit Watch in our silence. We can quench the spirit as much in our silence as, as we can in the trash that comes out. We put a lot of emphasis on get rid of the trash. We need as much emphasis on let out the good. Because God himself dwells within us. And he intends that we would worship him privately and corporately. So, spirit-filled tongue puts away words that destroy, speaks words that builds up, worships and worships corporately. And now finally, when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but you're not. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to you, not another of similar kind, another of exact like kind, God himself to dwell in you, what did he say the result will be? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. What's a spirit-filled tongue do? Yes, a spirit-filled tongue declares, proclaims, speaks, the gospel. And this, my friends, is just like when we're silent 
in worship when we're silent with the gospel. We're quenching the spirit. It's just that simple. When the gospel is not coming out of our mouth, we're quenching the spirit because he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. Do you see, again, wherever the New Testament speaks to the Spirit, he speaks to our words because our words are an overflow of what fills the heart. And it's God himself that has filled our hearts. Quenching the Spirit in any way? Trashy words still coming out. Gracious words not there. Infrequent in worship, silent in worship. Gospel not being declared, quenching the spirit. This is what the spirit-filled tongues. Do you remember? Here's how we started 2019. Father, by your grace and power, work through us. Would at least 110 more people believe? You see, that was our prayer. And we said our prayer, it's because it's by your grace and power. Only you can do it. And he's put himself in us. It's why it says, at work, through us. Yes, it is God's work, but it's God's work through us. We, remember, the spirit of God is to our living for God, as Jesus is to our coming to God. It is only by his spirit that we can declare the gospel in a manner that eyes will be open and ears will be open and hearts born again. It's only by his spirit, but it's through us. The promise is whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Great promise followed by a couple important questions. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without, and don't think occupation, how will they hear without a spirit-filled tongue? See, preacher, not an occupation, a person who has been filled with the Spirit, who would speak as witness. One of the ways we proclaim that by his death we have been healed and we have been saved is through. It's an interesting way of proclamation by taking the Lord's Supper. It's one of the reasons we take the Lord's Supper almost every other week. And so I'm going to invite the men to come forward to pass the elements of the Lord's Supper. And as they do so, I want us to consider engaging with spirit-filled tongues. Tongues that worship. Tongues that confess that which needs to be put away. Tongues that declare God is gracious and our Savior. And so, guys, if you pass and maybe you could, Kent, uh, I could have a cracker here. Thanks. As this comes in front of you, the unleavened bread. It's the reminder that we have been saved 
by the broken body of Jesus. The cup, the reminder that Jesus was innocent, but he shed his blood, he gave his life, the just for the unjust, so that we might come to God. So as the men pass, we prepare to take, would you first, with a spirit-filled tongue, not a facade, but a spirit-filled tongue, would you worship our great God and our Savior together? You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. prophet Isaiah says in chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he goes on to describe that and the holiness that he saw in the Lord. And then he says, but I'm a man of unclean lips. See, it always comes back because the lips are the overflow of the heart. So would you just, with the elements there in your hand, Would you take a moment because a spirit-filled tongue confesses and would you confess any trash that's been coming out of your mouth? Profanity or outburst of anger? Any lie? Gossip? Would you invite the Lord to reveal that which is in the heart source for those words? Repent of that which he reveals.
confess it to him. If you've been silent in worship or silent with the gospel, would you confess that silence? And whatever it is in your heart, it's the source for that silence. Thank you, Father, that your mercies are new every morning. If we'll confess, you'll cleanse us, forgive us. Would you worship our gracious God together? gratitude for his mercy and grace demonstrated on the cross would you take with me would you stand together God himself lives within you if you have trusted in Jesus. You have all that you need for life and for godliness. There is never need for me or for you to shrink back in fear to be that instrument of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. Because friends, do we not live in a city and in a world that is desperately in need of God's grace and forgiveness? A world to be made new by Jesus. Let's present ourselves to him as we worship. Everyone needs compassion. Love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. And everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. To save. Can move 
So take me as you find me all my fears and failures Fill my life again Give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender Shine your light Father, as our act of worship, we present our bodies now to you, fully surrendered in all our weakness and all our failures, believing that your strength is made known and perfected in our weakness, that we would be your instruments through which your glory declared, your body built up, and this world, this city would hear of your great grace. Would you there, in your own heart, open yourself up to the Spirit of God to be his witness this week? Lord, we don't want to shrink back in fear or be silent in pride or whatever else that causes us to clam up but to be filled with your spirit for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your, soul, your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls us Do you know why he'll bring it to pass? Because he dwells within you, and he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God bless.